Yeah. My favorite part of VBS is pretending to not be the character that I play on stage and letting kids like get all angry at me and like make accusations right. against me. Yeah. You're, I'm guessing you're wearing a wig for I do this. Wear a wig. Okay. Gray told, me, line? Gray told me you uh, stole somebody's hair. <laughs> That's good. That's a good rumor. Yeah. yeah. I'm wearing a wig for that. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they run up to me in between things like, you're so and so. I'm like, I don't know who that guy yeah. is. I don't even like the water. I'm scared of water. That's not, yeah. But you right. have a good line too that you can use. Like they say, you're ripped. That's his name, right? You'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm ripped. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Is yeah. that so, what you've been doing? No, because the kids don't get that. Patrick <laughs> thinks it's hilarious, but kids don't know what that right. means. <laughs> I think it's very funny. Right. It's great. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Beyond Sunday. There you go. I almost said Vacation Bible School. <laughs> welcome back to Vacation Bible School. Right. We are with in, me as always. Yeah, with me as always, Pastor David Bowser <laughs> and Elise McCarter. Mm. How are we doing, Patrick? So Taking so drinks. Successful. Taking drinks. Man. <laughs> wow. Comes out this is what happens when we record in the morning. Life right. comes at you fast. Got green tea going. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's VBS week here at um, Lord of Life. So Pastor David and I are involved in VBS. We're in matching shirts we just to show it off. Shirts. You guys look great. Yeah. Yes. We should wear matching shirts more often. We could. Yeah. Yeah. We'll text just each other in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to wear? We could just get staff uniforms. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, sure. They'll love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elise, but you are dropping a daughter off for VBS. Too, I right? am. Yeah. yeah. What's her review so far? She loves it. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Yep. The blue jello was weird. Okay. But I mean, it's jello. What was weird yeah, about it? I don't. Just, she said it was a full punch cup full of Jello. Oh, it was a, it was a lot of Jello. Right. Yeah, we have full I'm, punch cup. I'm the <laughs> photographer for VBS, and so we have like daily themes. And every time Gray like sees me, she is making a silly face or giving me a hang ten, like whatever the theme is. She is committed. She's on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, she is right. in to whatever yeah. the theme. She is. She wants to be in that end of day slideshow. She right. does. Yeah. She like, wants. I got this. Maybe yeah. one day it'll be all Gray. <laughs> 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 That'd be the best day of her life. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got some news for us. All right. Okay. Um, VBS news? It's not VBS news. This is a fun little headline here. I don't know what VBS news would be. No, it's, nobody wants VBS news. <laughs> it's true. probably true. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not a week or two weeks after. Uh, we're, our recording schedule is a little wonky. Right. I don't know when this yeah. one's coming out. I feel <laughs> like VBS news only happens when something very tragic happens to VBS. So oh, yeah. Let's no not do that. VBS no news. VBS news. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Catholic nun Linda Sim becomes the first Singaporean to win a gold medal in the World Taekwondo Championships. I love this. <laughs> Nuns and Taekwondo. I, I mean, ga- love game this. on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She is 67. And what? just ripped out of her mind, I bet. It's <laughs> amazing. And she's tiny. It gives her in meters, but 1.5 meters. How tall is oh, that? Oh, we don't know. 1.5 meters. So a meter is 39 inches. So 39 plus half of 39. What's half of 39? What's that in feet, David? <laughs> about 20. So 39. about 59 inches. Yeah, about 59 inches, which is just under five feet. Wow. She is tiny. She yeah. is tiny. Linda, and she is 67, and she is a gold medal in Taekwondo. Good for her. This is yeah. great. Power to you, lady. Power of Christ compels her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a quote from her. I've always been petite and small framed. If I can run and kick, I don't have to carry a weapon to defend myself. Oh. Valid um, argument. Yeah. I'm the weapon. <laughs> she said, I'm the weapon. Yes. Oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> That's the best line ever. Right. I want to be this lady. Yeah. You got to shrink. You're too tall. Uh, yeah. 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 But then I could be a bigger weapon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, she says, Taekwondo enables me to reach out to people in a non church language. That's By true. putting them in a chokehold. That's yes. right. Classic. I will say bridges. that Taekwondo is not a classic t- uh, church language, so I'm uh, yeah, I'm on board. Maybe it should be. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should be doing Taekwondo demos on Sunday mornings. Right. Yeah. Forget sermons. It's everybody self-defense, one-on-one. Yeah. 
So let me ask you, have you ever taken a um, uh, martial arts class? Not like a legit class. I haven't. Yeah. No, not, no. Um, when I was a kid, after watching the Karate Kid, mm-hmm. I did take Taekwondo for Excellent. about six weeks. Nailed it. Yeah, I went from a white belt to a yellow belt. Wow, is that In multiple or is that just that's one? That's the next one. Okay, so that's yeah. one. Okay, and then I was like, you know what? I think I got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I, I'm I, a weapon. I feel like the teachers are like, you're too good for this class. <laughs> you need to step out. I've already mastered this. It's right. fine. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It was, you know, I went in there and they're like weapons on the wall, and I'm like. Oh, we're gonna use those. Right. It's gonna be amazing. Never used them. Yeah. Right. We mostly worked on like technique and like lame making right. a punch over and over again, like in slow motion. So it's like the exact same movement. Uh-huh. It's like right. this is boring. Right. <laughs> like, Your wife is a black belt, though. She right? is. Yeah. My wife what? is a black belt yeah. in Taekwondo. Um, Kuksul Wan. Okay, is that? Like I, Taekwondo? I don't know. Don't <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Yeah, it's like some karate type. We have okay. a sword in our house. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that she, she used when she did martial arts. Okay. Yes. Does she still do it? Like, does no. she like go out back and practice sometimes? No. Okay. She's also seven months pregnant. Well, I mean, I didn't assume that she was doing it now. Right. She wasn't always seven months pregnant. She could have been doing it at other times. Right. No, no, she does not still keep up. Okay, so I don't, I don't know if her skills have uh, deteriorated. So say, or do not. black belts come with an expiration date of like if you don't, you know, keep up your skills? I'm sure, like most things, you've got to hone those skills. You know, like they they would evaporate well, over time. Well, I'm sure the skills would, but like, will they take your black belt away? I don't think so. Okay. You could volunteer to let her practice. There you go. I'm just saying, if you yeah. loved yeah. her, you'd mm-hmm. probably do that. Yes. That's what marriage is all about. <laughs> Uh, so what do you think is uh, Linda here is she good at nunchucks oh Oh, god good one (laughs) I mean can she throw people because then yes she's good at nunchucks (laughs) just just keeps going Uh, I think we could send her. Got, we could uh-huh. send her in to like infiltrate, you know, some some pe- some places with her martial arts skills. She can go undercover. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep coming. What I know, you got another one. You're I sick. don't. I don't. <laughs> That's all I got. Okay. Yes. <laughs> she says, "I came here to kick butt and <laughs> and pray the rosary." There you go. And I'm all out Under, of beads. <laughs> I'm all out of roses. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I yeah, think she's uh, got a gold. I guess she's the best bar nine, right? Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> this, is, this is great. <laughs> this is quality podcasting. <laughs> uh, this is not news. I thought about using this. I saw this, uh, that there's a podcast out there that's just white noise, and they make $18,000 a month. Just them going for eight. I don't the- think they do that. I think it- <laughs> uh, there's an app, a white noise app that I have that I sleep to every night. Yeah, that's fine. So, I mean, white noise is great, but... That's, they're doing like nothing as a and making, making money. We're putting out quality nun puns. <laughs> nun puns. We're putting out. Well, at least we're putting out nun puns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're making none of that money. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I still think it's we should life. make merch. I bet that there. One of our tens of listeners would buy a t-shirt. <laughs> Let's make 40 oh, t-shirts. Like you didn't even one. think that the three of us would all buy the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I would buy the t-shirt. <laughs> one of our listeners would buy the t-shirt. We're not going to buy it. But oh, just make, us, make us some merch. We'll put yeah. it out there. Yeah. Give us a design. Well, yeah. and, uh, and now instead of uh, crowdsourcing a, uh, a tattoo of a condiment for Pastor David, it'll be a Beyond Sunday tattoo. Yeah, oh, sure, a yeah. tramp stamp. <laughs> none of those. Not, none of, I'm not even right. going to repeat any of those things right. that just happened. Yeah. Yes, it could be covered by your underwear. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Lord help us all. All right, let's get on to our main topic. Please, dear God. <laughs> all right. Do we get to talk about defrocking in this 
in this topic. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I'm really maybe. hoping it comes we'll up. Maybe. I just learned a maybe. thing before podcasts. <laughs> Elise learned a word and she I'm wants to use it, I'm excited about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so we've kind of got uh, a little like segue to our main topic. Yeah, because uh, we have a, our friends at Relevant have an article here. Um, Should have a sound effect for segue. What, what do you want? Silent? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe like a little. <laughs> beep, beep, yeah. be the segue noise. Do you know <laughs> the tourist accidentally running over themselves? <laughs> <laughs> do you know that the creator of the Segway died by falling off a Segway? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, they I did rolled not know it that. backwards over a cliff, right? Oh yeah. wow, that's yeah. tragic. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, that was less comedic than I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah. I've never been on one, but whenever I see the little Segway tour downtown, I'm always like, that looks kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I would totally. Yeah. I would yeah. do that. I don't want to pay any money for it, right. but I would right. do it. I'm not going to yeah. pay forty bucks, but right. I will do it. Yeah. yeah, I will steal your Segway and oh. do that. Okay. Well, here's our Segway. Okay, <laughs> I, will, I will steal it. Uh, from Friends Relevant, uh, what should diversity in the church look like? Oh, okay. I think that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I think it. It bears repeating in, in light of our conversation. Mm-hmm. The ELCA is of the, which we are a part is the widest church in America. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it is like ninety eight percent white. Yeah, so even the other Lutheran churches that are more conservative than the ELCA have found a way to add a little bit more diversity of color to their congregations. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that doesn't mean we're not diverse in other ways but when it comes to Got norwegians scandinavians well i mean <laughs> i think we're, we, we have a, a All di- the northern europeans we have a diverse uh gender leadership sure. yes and yeah. uh, we, do. we do probably a diverse sexuality compared yep. to many other churches yep. uh but in terms of race yep. we are the bottom of the barrel falling behind yeah. Yeah. yeah so um so i think it's an interesting question uh and this does bring up some things that if you are into the ELCA, which you may or may not be. Right. Um, it would be very easy to be completely unaware of what's been going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could be yeah super devoted to your ELCA church or our church here at Lord of yep. Life and have no clue what's going on in our church body as a whole. Yeah. Uh, but there is some issues centered around some diversity in our yeah. synod. Yeah. Well, not in our, uh, our, yeah, not, our well, not in our denomination. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you want me to give the the synopsis? Here? Yeah. Give so, us our synopsis. So quick. I mean, and one of the reasons we want to talk about this, right, is we spend a lot of time unintentionally, where I think our, our focus is on other denominations, right? Like, yeah. Oh, this terrible thing happened in the Baptist mm-hmm. Church or in the wherever, and so we want to at least shine a light on the places where there are faults within our own uh, body as well. We want to be aware of that, and uh, and so one of the things that's been happening is in the Sierra Pacific Synod of the ELCA, which is a Northern California region. Um, there has been uh, some controversy uh, between uh, their bishop, who is transgen- who is transgender, uh, who goes by the pronouns they them, and so we'll be trying our best to respect those pronouns yeah. as we speak about it. And so Bishop Megan Megan. Roar uh, was recently removed from uh, her office, uh, their office. See, I already screwed it up. Removed from their office as bishop uh, as uh, disciplinary uh, proceedings are beginning against them uh, because of allegations of racism and racist behavior um, towards a particular pastor and congregation in that synod. And so there's a whole long story. Uh, You can Google uh, Bishop Megan Roar or Sierra Pacific Synod or... uh, any a number of other uh, items that you can go along with that and you can get the whole thing it's the whole saga um but we're just using that to say like hey we know that this thing is happening out in sierra pacific synod we don't have firsthand details of it we're reading you know articles and news and stuff along with everybody else but we want to use that as a reason to to get into this conversation of what do we do as a church um that really does struggle to um, be meaningfully diverse and what is it what does meaningfully diverse even look like what are we uh, striving for so that's where Mm -hmm. we want to go with this conversation yeah yeah 
I think this is this helpful too, especially this is uh, an issue where there's a lot of diversity at the core of it, mm-hmm. and it got really messy really quickly. Right. Yeah. And um, and so it's kind of um. A, a, a tough situation. Uh, I know our bishop in our area mm-hmm. has addressed it and yep. kind of um, is in favor of the removal mm-hmm. of uh, or his resignation. I'm not quite sure. Kind of his murky yes, waters yeah. and kind of like seeing what is happening. Bishop there. Roar is definitely no longer serving as bishop. How exactly that happened is a little unclear. Yeah. Right. Lawyer, it, lawyers will figure that out. And it, it also may have been you can't fire me. I quit. Kind of a situation. Yeah, so. it's tough to tell. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. So in result, it's the same. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, you know, this started last, really last year around this time, and kind of culminated last December. Mm-hmm. So this has been kind of un, you know, kind of uh, percolating over there, and it kind of like really is now kind of like coming out and pretty major stuff kind of right away. Um, so it's, this is a, it, again, we don't need to go, we're not interested in diving a deep dive into this situation, right, right. but it is kind of saying diversity can be tough. And in our own synod, even in places where we have yeah. our own denomination, we have um, diversity. It gets, yeah. it can get messy. And bad. Is, it's hard. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me ask you before we get into our article here, should the church be diverse? Mm. Yes. <laughs> It feels like a loaded question. I feel like I'm going into a trap here. But I know, yes. but like, <laughs> what, what are yeah, the possible I mean, traps with saying, yes, the church should be divorced? I, I guess the only, the only thing I would clarify is, like, right from God's perspective, diversity isn't even really a thing, right? Yeah. You know, because from God's perspective, there isn't a difference between you and the other person next to you, regardless of gender or skin mm-hmm. color or sexual orientation, right? So we think of diversity because we see all the differences. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, from our perspective, the church should look diverse because all those different things should be brought together. Right. Um, but in Christ, we are all made into one body in, in that. And so, yes, with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the church should strive for greater levels of diversity yeah um i believe it's martin luther king who jr we don't really know much about the cedar I, at least i don't know any quotes about him so. he changed his name to martin luther that was not his born name that's fun yeah that's really good yeah <laughs> good anecdote our dude yeah 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 our uh, dude, martin luther senior <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, you know, growing up, I thought that was Martin Luther's son. So truth, <laughs> truly, <laughs> I did. When I was a little kid, I walked. I was into like, a, you know, when I was six. Right. Yeah. I walked into church on uh, Reformation Sunday. I was like, why don't we get Monday off if we're celebrating Martin Luther King Day and right. we're celebrating the other Martin Luther? I was very confused. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gray thought he was actually a king. Oh, that would yeah, be good too. Yeah. Martin Luther King. She's sure. always talking about like that. That king. Yeah, that yeah. King. That, you know, helped people. Mm-hmm. The good king. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, the only one <laughs> yeah. to help people. Yeah. Probably <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, I believe a quote attributed to him I mean, oh. is uh, Sunday morning at 11 a.m. is the most segregated time in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, this is not, I think this is not just a white church issue. It can have issues of there's like a monolithism in many denominations mm-hmm. or many, mm-hmm. and many, uh, race-based kind of grassroots movements of like getting congregations off the ground. So it's easy possible in our community right here, there could be what we would call a black church or mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. Korean church or a Hispanic church mm-hmm. uh, where the vast majority of the of the congregation is one race. Yeah. And it happens at our church too, yeah. where the vast majority of the congregation is one race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all agree that's not the goal in mind, 
why do we get there then? Why does this kind of a natural inclination, it seems, to fall into these patterns, especially at least in America? I can't yeah. say be for the rest of the world. No, yeah, yeah. I, I think I don't think it's just America. I think America has a uniquely uh, distinct perspective on it because we do still hold on to this Christian heritage and we still have such a diverse population across yeah. the United States that I think we see it more uh, more clearly here than you might in other places. Like, you know, in Europe, congregations aren't really worried about being diverse because they're kind of worried about existing as congregations <laughs> right. anymore. Yeah. And in other places of the world, the population just isn't as diverse. And so that's not, yeah. as, you know. Um, but so one of the things that I think happens, you know, when we have migrant populations who come to the United States, for many of them, not for all, but for many, the church is the first place that they um, connect with people who uh, share their values, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you uh, migrate to the United States from Korea, you find a Korean church because those people speak your language, because they understand yeah. your food, mm -hmm. they know where to do the shopping to find the things that you like and can help you do all the things that you've needed to do. And so I think there's a natural um, inclination to look for um, sameness as a form of st stability. And I think this goes back to, uh, you know, um, 200, 300 years ago when Germans and Italians and uh, Irish were coming to this country as well. And they formed the same kind of populations, right? So you had Irish Catholic churches and you had Italian Catholic churches and you had German Lutheran churches and Scandinavian Lutheran churches, right? I mean, in different parts of uh, like Minnesota and the Midwest, you would have a German Lutheran church, a Norwegian Lutheran church, and potentially uh, a, uh, what's the other one, Swedish Lutheran church, like all in the same town. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and that's the same kind of lack of diversity as we're talking about now. It's just that it's more country-based as opposed to uh, race-based, right? Yeah. And so as as we stopped being German, Norwegian, and Swedish, and we started being Americans, right, some of those boundaries kind of started falling apart, um, but the visible boundaries of race have really stayed uh, very prominent. And, you know, just a history of racism and white power has certainly played into that as well, that mm -hmm. uh, white privilege allows us um, to do that without thinking about it. It allows me to walk into a space and not be aware that there are no black people in that space, yeah. right? Be yeah. Because of my privilege, I'm able to do that because sure. I, I am the norm. Right. And I think a lot of the the churches that cater more towards minorities and people of mm. color probably happened as a response to that white yeah. power history, you yeah. know, like as a it's a safe space for that. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, it can be it can be really challenging and mm -hmm. difficult for a white person to be a part of that community, not because the community doesn't to be a part of it. Let's say a white person to be a part of a black uh, church community, not because the black church community doesn't want them, but because the black church community is going to have real expectations of that uh, white individual facing um, the history of white privilege and power that has led to where we are now. Mm -hmm. And that white individual needs to be ready to do that work. That's right. not easy work, right? right. And, and uh, so it's hard to be a part of the community, not because the community doesn't want you to be part of it, but because it takes a lot of self-work to say, yeah, yeah I'm going to own that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with that. I'm not going to like live my life in shame because of this history, right. but I'm going to own the fact that I have benefited from this thing. Right. And for so many of us, Right. Even just talking about racism, uh, we struggle to acknowledge the ways in which the fact that we are white has benefited us. Mm -hmm. sure. Right. Because we look at all the things that have gone wrong in our life. Mm -hmm. We said, well, I didn't get this or I didn't get that or my life has been hard. Yeah. All those things are true. And yet there and is that's still not what we mean. When right. We say that's privilege. not what yeah. Yeah, that's not what white privilege <laughs> yeah. is about. Like there are still things you could have the worst life that you can imagine. Um, but there's still a privilege in the United States yeah. that comes with being white skinned mm -hmm. and, and that's a, a more complicated issue than we want to get into today but that's at, at the heart of this i think is mm -hmm. that yeah, i think I, a good way to think of that that I, that I like is 
of all the troubles you face, your skin killer is not one of them. Right. Sure. So it's like, not been a barrier to entry for you for yeah, anything. Yeah yeah. 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 And and so, you know, that yeah, we all have troubles. All right. So uh, we all agree there should be a level of diversity and we also agree the American church can be not very diverse. Yes. And especially the ELCA. Yes. Uh, other 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 churches have figured out greater levels of diversity, but we have not. So before we, you know, this article is okay. I think it's more of a personal anecdote here. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really have like, here's how you become diverse. Um, but let me ask you, why, based on your opinion, is the ELCA the widest church in America? Northern European heritage. I mean, other churches have Northern European heritage. Yeah. So what did we do differently to end up here? Mm-hmm. So... From my perspective, and not being a, a Lutheran historian, from my perspective, yeah. Lutherans held on to cultural heritage mm-hmm. um, very strongly, which is yeah. why you had the German Lutheran Church and the Swedish Lutheran Church and the Norwegian Lutheran Church, right? And they held on to those identities of, oh, well, we're a German, German Lutheran Church, so we do the uh, the the Oktoberfest every year, and that's our way of connecting to our German heritage, or we're the Norwegian Lutheran Church, and so we make the I think it's Ludafisk. Is that Norwegian? Yeah, the the fish, the fish, and the yeah, stuff. Right. So yeah. we make that right, and and so we had these deep ties that make it really hard for people outside of that culture to come into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even like into the uh, into the 1900s, up until World War II, there were a lot of churches that didn't a lot of Lutheran churches that didn't speak English, mm-hmm. right? Where you could come to that church and you would have a German worship service or a Swedish Luther, uh, worship service, right? Um, I served at a church. Um, in Columbus that was started in like 1848 that was called First English Lutheran Church because it was the first <laughs> English-speaking Lutheran church in Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, the mid-1800s and, you know, in other parts of the region or country that would have taken longer. And so I think that uniquely we have these real deep ties um, back to back to a, a Northern European heritage that makes it harder for people of diverse backgrounds to enter into because we're like, oh, well, to to get our jokes, right? You have to understand that history or, or, uh, who's the, the NPR guy that did the Lake Wobegon thing. Um, it doesn't matter. He used to tell, he would tell stories that were all like based in this Northern Minnesotan Lutheran community, Garrison right? Keeler. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Garrison Keeler, right? <laughs> to get Garrison Keeler humor, you have to be part of that community, right? Sure. You have to like have grown up in that and be, and so that's, you know, Lutherans kind of built a community around that. And yeah. we have we never did a great job of saying we want to build a community around something stronger than that. Sure, we identified yeah. ourselves with with that cultural heritage rather than identifying ourselves with Christ and seeing yeah. about how that. No, it's not to say that people weren't faithful. It's just to say that we didn't have the same intentionality of it, and so now we we relate to the game, and so we're trying to swim upstream. Yeah, Elisa, you know you're you didn't go to like school for ministry like Pastor mm-hmm. David and I. What are, what are your thoughts on like why are we the widest church in America? Yeah, so I also didn't grow up Lutheran, too, so I came to the Lutheran tradition as an adult, right? Um, And so my perception of Lutheranism, first of all, you rarely heard about it in South Carolina. There's not, like, a huge Lutheran presence in that area of the country. And it seemed like it was really strongly tied to one individual, right? Martin Mm -hmm. Luther, a theologian. Uh, So it felt like there you had to know quite a bit about this person and this specific theology to be able to participate so I ended up here sort of, not really on accident, but as sort of a last ditch, like, well, we'll check the Lutheran church out because nothing else fits right now, you know, and mm-hmm. then it ended up being great. But my perception was definitely like, there's going to be a lot of barriers of yeah. entry here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe that's part of it. And, you know, what what other denominations really call themselves by the name of the theologian that sort of got them off the ground? Really nobody. 
anybody, right? Maybe Wesleyan? Yeah, I mean, but even Wesleyan is less of a denomination and more of like a branch within Methodism. Right. Uh, Methodistism? Meth- Methodism, maybe. Methodism, yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and, you know, Lutherans are not known as Lutherans everywhere in the world. Okay. Right? Um, you know, in the German church, uh, or in the German country, in the country of Germany, that's what I'm trying to say there, <laughs> um, I believe it's just called the confessional church, right? Okay. And um, so Luther himself really hated the fact that we were calling ourselves Lutherans. Right. Because, um, right? I mean, even uh, it, when, you know, the first people started following Jesus, they were followers of the way, mm-hmm. and then people started using Christians as a, an attack label against mm-hmm. them, and they eventually just, like, embraced it. So, oh, well, yeah, we're Christians. Right. Um, and the same thing kind of happened with Lutherans, where Lutheran was an attack, and it was, like, an insult to be called a Lutheran, because right. you were, you know, this rebel and this outside of the, the Roman cause and whatever. Um, and then eventually people just said, oh, we're Lutherans, and it made it all about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my perspective and I'm a Lutheran. I've been a Lutheran since I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. Um, We are mostly like nerdy introverts. I mean, like, like most for yourself. I mean, like most (laughs) of the people who are like big wigs in the Lutheran church are like nerdy introvert kind of people. Like we like theology. We like thinking. We like talking about it. But like we really are awful at evangelism like we're really (laughs) terrible at it uh and we don't really feel comfortable doing it uh like we don't have strong evangelical campaigns we don't have strong even though it's in our name like we (laughs) do not really have kind of that same push to be in our communities or to um to witness to our neighbors we Mm -hmm. just do not Mm -hmm. have that um i think we are super excited for anybody who could come in the door but we are like, we're like looking out the window and be like, I hope somebody comes today. It's kind of like, but we're not as, we don't have the same sense of urgency as other church bodies out there. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my review from my position. No, I think that's a, a reasonable critique. I'm gonna, you look like you have something to say and I wanted you to jump I'll in. Just, I... <clears throat> just sort of thinking on that. I think that we have sort of a faith culture of faith being deeply personal Mm-hmm. And because we are so interested in theology and how things work and that interplay, that tends to make us less interested or concerned about outreach because it's like, mm-hmm. this is what's happening yeah. inside of you, right? So, like, I'm so thrilled that you are figuring that out for yourself and coming through the door. I don't feel any necessary push to go out there and drag you through by your hair, you know? Yeah. Like, not that you would ever do that anyway. Sure. But, right. I, and this is actually one of the trappings of our grace theology, mm-hmm. right? That, um, you know, when there's a little bit of guilt and a little bit of sense of, oh, wow, this is really terrible, right? Other people need to hear this message because they need to be saved mm-hmm. too. Like there's a motivation to go out and yeah. and uh, uh, recruit or bring people in. When our theology is deeply rooted, which I think it should be, but when our theology is deeply rooted in this, God's grace is big enough to surround me and you and figure it all out. Yeah. You know, there's far less motivation for me to feel like I need to go out and bring somebody in the door. Because they'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, because yeah. God, God's <laughs> going to figure it out, yeah. right? Uh, and so it's not a particularly evangelical stance. I do think it's faithful, but I think there are other ways that we can talk about it that uh, expand on that. Right. The other the thing that we do well because of our grace-based theology, we do very well is global service. Right. You know, walking alongside people and partnering with people where they are and, uh, you know, working through organizations like the Lutheran World Federation or through Lutheran Lutheran World Relief or Lutheran Disaster Response. Right. These are all fantastic organizations that are known throughout the world for the great work that they do of accompanying people through Mm 
um, times of tragedy because we're not there to try to proselytize them, right? Right. We come alongside and we work to better your life, not to try to make you believe what we believe so that we can better your life. Yeah. And so I think we do those things as well or better than anybody else. Sure. Um, and I think that's a, a great asset to our theology. Um, but then we don't, we don't do the next step, which is saying, hey, you know, we, we've done all this work. We just... We just want you to know about this th- about this faith that we have yeah. and about why yeah. we did this. We do, yeah. you know, you do with you want you want, but you, we want you to know why we did this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think that that grace based theology. I think if you know, my perspective is we connect to that on an intellectual level, but not an emotional level mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and that leads us to like. I'm overwhelmed with the emotional sense of grace, so I need to tell other people about this so they can be connected to that emotional mm-hmm. sense of grace too. We just like I get this theologically, but sometimes less, you know, personally, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like so and I think that kind of uh, you know, most of our worship, um not to think here at Lord of Life, but uh, you know, does not necessarily there to generate an emotional response. Sure. You know, it's it's very well thought out, mm-hmm. but it's you don't necessarily leave like with uh, you know, hearts necessarily on fire or convicted or yeah. you know, in you know, joy or mourning. I yeah. think I think sometimes we again we're, we're we're more intellectual than we are emotional. Yeah. To some right. next week nobody leaves until everybody's crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Right. All right. So um so one of the things when it comes to church diversity that we can acknowledge here is every time a church has to make a decision about their structure, their whatever, you're in some ways boxing yourself in a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, you, we have to sometimes acknowledge that. So the, the first one is our services are in English. That sure. boxes us in <laughs> yeah. to if you do not speak English, I'm not quite sure this is the church for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, We can say all are welcome, but if you come and you don't speak English – how welcome are you going to feel? Right. Like that's just the reality. Like yeah. so, first up, the the language you choose to kind of communicate your message in that's already a, a barrier for people in your community. Uh, the other barriers, you know, how you communicate that message. You know, if you're what what um, in a sense like what reading level do you speak to is a barrier for entry. Sure. If you uh, speak to a collegiate, you know, uh, people who you know, really have to have kind of a, a college degree or a college reading level to kind of follow along what's going on, it's going to be really challenging for community members that are illiterate or mm-hmm. uh, who aren't as academically, um, you know, don't have the same level of academics as, as as kind of the speaker or the musicians or whatever's going on. That creates a barrier there as well. And I'm not saying you can't, that these are bad barriers. I think we just need to acknowledge that they exist. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what are the other barriers that kind of we kind of kind of put up that kind of can limit diversity? Yeah. Uh, style of worship. Sure. What kind, what kind of music you listen to, how much, or not music listen to, but what kind of music you're uh, using in worship, um, how much of that music you're using in worship, yeah. um, what's its uh, cultural background of the music, right? Sure. Absolutely. Um, that's a big one. Uh, location, maybe? Location, location. of sure. your church building. Sure. Worship times. Yeah. Yeah. If you're worshiping on Sunday morning, some people, I mean, whatever time you pick, this is going right. to be true, but you worship on Sunday morning, some people can't come right. at yeah. that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, child care um, can be a big deal. Yeah. How are you providing care for children? Um, how are you making sure that there's an opportunity for them to be included? Um, even like, a, you know, style of worship, we want to be diverse, diverse, diverse towards uh, uh, learning spectrums, right? So anywhere on the autistic spe- mm-hmm. uh, autism spectrum, how are you providing space sure. that's safe for people who are across that and not just tailoring to 
what's the ter- what's the term I'm looking for? Neuronormative sure. people is that mm-hmm. a thing? Did I make that up? Yeah, I think. You got I right. think yeah. If you're neurodiverse, are sure. you neuronormative? Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your architecture. You could say oh, sure. if all are welcome, but you have steps and no wheelchair ramp. Mm-hmm. Oh, wheelchair sure. people are yeah. not welcome. You know, like that's just the yeah. reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, in terms of a transgender individual, you could say all are welcome, but they walk in the door and they have the very real question of where do what I about, go to the yeah, bathroom? Sure. And you don't have an answer for that. You can't necessarily say you're welcome. You know, like yeah. you're, you're kind of creating a, a, a barrier, you know, that, that, that somebody has to hurdle over that I do not when I walk mm-hmm. in the doors. And so I think it, it, every church should become more and more aware of what are the hurdles people have to go over that I do not have, you know, to come into our building and into our worship space. Uh, because it's easy to, for me, when I'm like, I've been at our church for now uh, nine years and I speak English and I have a college degree right. and yeah. I grew up Lutheran, I don't have any of those hurdles. Like, right. So like, uh, and I can say like, I did not think one bit about cry rooms or nursery when I did not have kids. Like mm-hmm. it just right. did not mean a thing to me. I never thought about it. I never thought of like, what is the, cry- like, where, is, where do you take babies who are crying? Where do you drop kids off in the nursery? I just didn't think about it. Right. Like, cause it was not a hurdle for me. Um, but now we have kind of those hurdles. Or as a man, it's easy to like most churches that I've gone into have male leadership at the top. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's not a hurdle for me to like sit under a man as a man. It's just not like right. <laughs> under male leadership. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I do. We Sorry. do. And yes. that was a great speech. But yes. That was very funny. <laughs> I'm not saying anyone needs to sit on me right. in church. That's part of the Lutheran tradition that I'm not That's aware right. of. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. You haven't gone to that Sunday One yet? One of those barriers century. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, we were talking about how there are like Korean denominations and Hispanic denominations. And I actually think those things are good and valuable, right? I think as a predominantly white church, as people of privilege, even not racial necessarily, but privilege in any form, it's we have the burden of responsibility to find ways and be aware of ways that we can make our space more accessible to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, this is kind of like, uh, you know, sometimes people complain about like men's groups and women's groups mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. And like saying, well, well shouldn't we just all be together? Well, like, there is a time and a place where we do need a, a Korean community to be able to come together or a right. Hispanic Absolutely. community to be able to right. come together to share right. that burden. We pro- you know, As the group that's primarily in privilege, mm-hmm. we probably don't need to make an intentional effort to have a white white men's group oh, i <laughs> yeah. mean like i mean granted a men's group at lord of life will be a white men's group at this point like that's just right you know, but, but yeah uh you know that history of uh white men of privilege coming together mm-hmm. that exists. not a great yeah. history yeah. right yeah, sure. and we want to be aware of that right and so we, we don't need to go out and say like oh i'm going to start a white church in this community like yeah that it has a very different ring than i'm yeah. going to start a korean church in yeah. this community of korean immigrants right mm-hmm. yeah. um every not every church most churches that you're starting these days uh are, are white well that's not even necessarily true in the United States because of the declining population. Anyway, you get the idea. I'm just going to stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. I th- and I think this is, is just tough because I think sometimes people, you know, ultimately when you walk into a space, it's easy to kind of notice one way or the other, am I the outlier? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. if you're predominantly white, it's hard to really shift that needle because yeah. every time someone who is a racial minority comes into your space, they automatically know I'm different. Yeah. Right. I look different. My cultural background is different. You know, I get it right away. And that, for many people, will make them feel a little weird or a little awkward. And it's one that I don't have to do. Again, it's Mm -hmm. not a barrier that that prevents me from getting deeper into the church. It's just not one. So sometimes it's easy to ignore because it's not there for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things 
you know, I've been kicking around and thinking about the kind of this topic, um, going to this podcast. So I, I think one of the things like we say is a lot like all are welcome at Lord of Life and all are welcome at the table. And I think it's a mm-hmm. great phrase and great theology and great understanding. But I think maybe we need to shift some of that thinking to say not just all are welcome, but the idea of like we built this f- with you in mind kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, so instead of saying like, again, instead of like at the top of the stairs to the person in the wheelchair, like all are welcome up here. But like we built ramps with you in mind, even if I did not need a ramp. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so saying like we built a worship style with minorities, uh, with diversity in mind, even though I'm not attracted to that style, mm-hmm. that matters. You know that 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 kind of that kind of creates that a little different of all are welcome. If you look, act, think like us, then you're welcome. Mm-hmm. You know, then you'll feel welcome. Most, you know. or you're welcome, but we're not going to change one single thing about what we like to do for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, and I think that that creates part of that challenge. Since mm-hmm. I think part of the part of the the strength of the Lutheran Church is our historical liturgical understanding of worship. A lot of what we do is drawn from you know things that smarter men and women than I put together sometimes hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to maybe make a strong pivot and and to say like you know what those people they really weren't thinking of like how can we get more racial minorities into church. They were not thinking that. Right. Yeah. That was not on their top of priority right. and now it is on ours. And so can we hold fast to their structures while we do this as well? Can right. we do both? Yeah. And maybe the answer is no. Or maybe it is yes and we just haven't figured it out yet. Right. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I like to think that within the kingdom of God, the answer is always going to be yes, that yeah. there's a way to do more diversity. There's a way to include more people. But yeah, we absolutely have not figured it out. Well, well I, think yeah. the, 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 I think personally, I would say there is a way to do my diversity, but it might come at a cost. Sure. And is the, is the ELCA willing to pay that cost? Yeah. And that's the real question. Is, is, is the, is the, if the cost is sometimes abandoning white theologians that we draw our, our kind of our, our worship styles from, mm-hmm. that's a cost. Mm-hmm. Are we willing to pay that cost? Yeah. Um, and maybe the answer is no. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad. Right. But like, I think we just have to acknowledge you can't always, you can't necessarily have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you have two pieces of cake. Then you can keep one and eat the other one. Yeah. yeah. So you have your cake and you eat two. <laughs> I'm glad we got that clarification. <laughs> just so we're clear though, why do you want to just have cake? Right. What, just eat what's the, cake? the point of having the cake? Like, <laughs> so you can eat it later. You are not promised tomorrow. <laughs> Mm. There's no point. Am I promised that piece of cake? And tomorrow's cake. <laughs> eat the cake now. <laughs> Today's cake is all that matters. <laughs> got it. So eat both pieces of cake right now. Right. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the interesting things that came from this article uh, that we've yet to discuss. Uh, so the author of this article is a black woman uh, who talks about going to now. She goes to a very kind of like racially diverse church. She used to go to an all black church. She kind of talks about she invited a friend to church and her friend asked the question of like, am I going to be the only white person there? Yeah. And she has to, you know, kind of wrestle with like, my friend invited me to a lot of parties and functions where I was the only black person there. Right. And that didn't mm-hmm. seem to necessarily matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, but, but kind of like that acknowledging that that is a barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then saying like when she went to a, a predominantly black church, whenever things that happened in the black community on the news, the church would want to address those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she mentions the shooting of Trayvon Martin um, in 2012, you know, that that was a lament over this action because sure. this community saw Trayvon as this could be like my brother, yeah. my nephew, yeah. my son, me, you know, all those things uh, kind of attached there. And so the church addresses that. Uh, and then going to a, 
a predominantly white church, you know, those things would happen and they just would not be addressed yeah. because it doesn't have the same kind of cultural touchstone that maybe the white church picks up on mm-hmm. and saying like, that was hard, you know, like it's hard saying like, this is something that affects me deeply. And you know, how can we do a better job of addressing and un- maybe listening and understanding what is going on to minority populations that are affecting them deeply. And how can we address that from our positions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I mean, this gets into a larger issue of how we just interact with people of different races and different backgrounds than us yeah. in general. But um, you know, take the Trayvon Martin example as one. I think it's a really useful one. Um, I think so many people, so many white people in particular, and myself, I probably uh, struggle with this as well, right? Uh, we want to feel comfortable or we want to justify a behavior, right? And so we assume, well, what's the, what's the out? You know, what's the rationale? What's the, and so even if somebody's saying like, well, this could have been my brother. I was like, well, yeah, it could have been, but you know, what if, if he just hadn't done this or right. if he just hadn't, you know, yeah. he just had, well, why yeah. should anybody not be allowed to be in a particular neighborhood or why should he, right. you know, I don't remember Trayvon Martin's particular case. He was, I think he was the one who was running through a neighborhood that he ran through all the time. I don't remember. No, no, no. This no, is, he no? got followed by. Oh, that's right. Trayvon was the guy who yeah. got followed. Okay. Um, see, the fact that I can't remember I, is a sign of my privilege, right? Yeah. And it's also right. a sign of this uh, is happening way too often. Happens. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you know, how do we, we talked about this on a podcast previous, I don't remember what it was, but how do we listen to that story without feeling the need to defend ourselves or to defend yeah. white people? How do we just yeah. listen to that story? Yeah. And as people of Christ, how do we just listen to someone's grief and let them grieve? Yeah. Their grief doesn't affect, or doesn't need to affect you. You just mm-hmm. need to let them grieve and yeah. be present with them in the midst of that. And how do we experience that grief in a meaningful way together? Right. If someone's actual brother dies you don't go in there and say, well, yeah, but if he hadn't smoked for the last 30 years, he wouldn't have gotten lung cancer, right? right. Nobody says that, yeah. right? You just sit and you grieve with them for the yeah. fact that their brother is dead. And so if somebody's grieving that, how do we how do we give space regardless of what our racial background is? How do we give mm. space to listen and to let people grieve and to grieve with them? Because that's what I believe Jesus does. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we got to get white Jesus pictures out of churches. We got to stop those. Oh, Yes. I don't think we have any white. I don't think we have any pictures. We of don't Jesus have at all. any Jesus pictures. Yeah, do we, we don't. We're, yeah. we're, we're better off. That's, we're lean on the Jesus pictures yeah. around I'm here. I'm okay with that. That's right. right yeah. But it, I mean, that's a it's a real thing where it's important for people who are typically minorities to mm-hmm. see pictures of Jesus uh, that reflect them, right? So mm-hmm. for um, people of African descent uh, to see pictures of Jesus as a black person or in a black mm-hmm. community, right? Yeah. Or, or same thing for people of uh, uh, Asian descent or whatever that might be. Uh, we as white people have no problem envisioning Jesus looking like us mm. because for most of our life, that's how Jesus has been depicted. And so it's not, it should not be this huge thing for us to say, hey, we're going to replace this picture of Jesus where Jesus looks like he's Scandinavian with blonde hair and blue eyes and glowing, right? We're going to replace that with a picture that reflects a diverse community. Like that should not be the end of the world for us. Yeah. Um, even if, you know, even if it's equally historically inaccurate to depict Jesus as a black man, as it is to depict Jesus as a Northern European, sure. right? We have pictured Jesus like us for the right. history of Christianity. Right. And this is an opportunity for other people to see Jesus is like you too. Right. Put up all the pictures of Jesus. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Line your halls with different Jesus, different races, and sure. and understanding. I think that that show show Jesus, you know, reflects the the love of diversity that we want to do. Sure, yeah. Except I, there's one picture. It's by I think Solomon is the artist, and just take that one down. Why? What's wrong with it? <laughs> it's just it's just a terrible picture. Jesus is like glowing and has like weird blue eyes. It's like you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
You've probably you've probably seen it. It's like classic 1950s church basement picture of Jesus. Uh, okay. Yeah, I spent a lot of time hanging out in church basements <laughs> in the 1950s. <laughs> Church basements didn't change between the 1950s no, still and the t- attacks, <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> you didn't have to be in the 1950s to have right. seen that. All right. Um, obviously, uh, pursuing diversity, and we talked mostly about race, but I mean, I think pursuing diversity of gender or diversity of sexuality is difficult work. And mm-hmm. um, if I think if you really, really want it, it comes. It does come at a cost. Um, that sometimes saying not just having people come into our community and over time start to look like us it means people come into our community and that means we start to look like them too yeah uh and that comes at a cost because you're sacrificing what you look like Mm -hmm. or what you're made of or what your understanding of the world looks like um but this is the this is the world we're pointed towards we are bending this way we may not get there in this life but it is bending this way uh whether we you know whether you like it or not like and so i think god is asking us to Let's get on. Let's get on to the messy work of diversity yeah. uh, before we end up in heaven and are in uh, the very real diversity of, yeah, sure. of what that looks like. Yeah. All right. This is good stuff. Good conversation, mm-hmm. everybody. That all we got? That's it. Thanks, so. Okay. Well, hey, it, that was a weak ending. Sorry, guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> blew that one. Can we bring it home? <laughs> <laughs> we can do it. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of any of our material, you can check it out at beyondsundaypodcast.com. Be sure to uh, share our uh, share our uh, podcast with your friends and family and neighbors and uh, put it out on the front porch for kids to listen to as you watch fireworks this summer, you know, whatever is going on. Uh, just uh, get Beyond Sunday out into the world and uh, send us your, let's see, we're coming up to what holiday? Uh, 4th of July is going to be around the corner. Yeah. So send us your favorite 4th of July traditions and uh, we'll test them out here on the podcast. You can email those yeah. to us at beyondsundaypodcast at gmail com, especially if there's food involved in your Fourth yes. of July tradition, we will definitely test those out. What, do people have Fourth of July food traditions? It's usually just like grilling stuff. Sometimes people have like a special thing of like this is the the dip that I make every year, or mm. this is the dessert that we always make, or yeah. this is the special when it, when possible that I like foods, to eat. Fourth of July is it's it seems pretty basic to me. I mean, I'm it's not, like burgers, burgers and hot dogs. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not typically just burgers and hot dogs, but some people have special things they like. To oh, eat. I'm just, do you have a special thing? No, but somebody, <laughs> but somebody out there, somebody might, and I want yeah. to eat it. Whatever it is, yeah. I want to have that thing. Yes, I agree. Food. See, we do. Love Your food. food is welcome Send here. Us food recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more Beyond Something.